Hey, welcome to Faith Marketplace, where we equip individuals, entrepreneurs, small business owners with resources plus community to make a kingdom impact to glorify our mighty God while gaining inspiration from marketplace leaders. Hey, welcome to Faith Marketplace in another episode today. We've got a great guest with us today. I want to introduce you to Pastor Keith Gordon. He's also the executive director of Urban Church Advocates here in Chicago. And man, oh man, fasten your seatbelts because he got some great stuff to share with you today. So, Keith, what are the takeaways that you want the audience to Bob, have thanks today? thanks for asking. I, I grew up as, as a Christian finding salvation, and after that I was introduced to the Ten Commandments of how to live as a young person at 15 years of age. And, and when I learned it, I wanted to find a practical way of living out my faith, and that's one of the, the takeaways I want to share today. One was I was taught to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then also to love people as I love myself. And I believe that's a great takeaway for all of us, believers and those who need to recognize and walk with God. But number two, I was taught also, and I want to share with you all today, just we, as we know our faith, we need to let our faith shine before those who may be in darkness or their light may be dim, but they, they see our light or which is also our good works, right? They will glorify God by how we live, not just by what we say. But the third takeaway today is, I want to introduce all of your listeners to UCA, or what we call it, Urban Church Advocates, how we are working for peace and for the prosperity and the well-being of the cities. And last but not least, we want to help underrepresented urban youth in the city to help them know that we can partner with them to bring peace, bring salvation, and bring a chance for future life development for their, for their communities. I love it. Amen. Amen, brother. This is going to be great. You know, I have to share with you, I love your number two there, the way you want to share the glory of God, uh, Matthew 5, 16. That happens to be the scripture for the show that we gave up with over a decade ago. Get that light out from underneath the basket, get up there on the hill and shine the glory out for God, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I love that because it's uh, very, very uh, near and dear to my heart when we uh, started Faith Marketplace, so... Um, let's tell, let's tell the audience a little bit about Keith and his background, because I know everybody's just uh, wanting to know who is Keith, how did he come up, where did he come up at, and all that good stuff. So why don't you just give us a, a quick background yeah. check here as to, uh, were you born, uh, you come out of I came out one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why I was bouncing or just sliding out, but I would tell you this. I grew up in the urban community on the south side of Chicago, Bob. And just as it was said about Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, we asked the same question. Can anything good come out of Inglewood, South South Chicago? I grew up in a community where crime, um, it was poverty, it was d- depression. It was so many things bad. I grew up with no father and mother as a couple. They were not together. My mom was, was abused. My father was the abuser. My sister struggled with... Uh, and my siblings struggled with um, uh, addiction to drugs. And, and I came out just realizing what can happen good to me. But I was a victim of, t- of child abuse at 21. I mean, at, at four years of age, Bob. And, and the courts took me from my parents and placed me with my grandparents. And then from that point on, I grew up in a community 
where no one was going to church. Gangs were exposed. And most importantly, it was violence everywhere around me. And my grandparents said to these words, I don't believe the way he's living right now at 14 years of age, he may not make it to 15 or 16. Then one day I was invited to vacation Bible school. And that invitation by a gentleman who was a father, a husband, uh, he worked hard. He showed me an example of his lifestyle. And Bob, do you know, he introduced me to Christ. And then he introduced me to a youth pastor who showed me what faith looked like. And he was a husband and he was a father. And eventually I realized there's some godly men around me. And that was the start of my life. I got saved in Sunday school class, grew up around the scriptures, saw men modeling Christ before me. And I said, God, I want that life. And here I am now. I have grown up to go to undergrad at U of I. Got a master's degree at Moody Theological Seminary. And last, I went and got another master's degree from Wheaton College. And now I'm pastoring in the city, living in the city, helping youth to know God while they live in the city. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm just curious in this. When did you decide to become a pastor? Yeah. And how did that happen? Some people run to God. I ran away from God. And I had gym shoes on at the same time. But there was there was a pull for me when I was invited to go to older boys and girls Christian conference camp. It was a camp you go in for a week, you learn about God, no TV, no radio, no phones, no text messages, nothing. Wow. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. But in the place, I found a soulless <laughs> spiritual formation with God. And I grew around up around other teenagers who fell in love with God. And they said, when you leave here, go back and take God with you. And when I took God back with me, mm. I went into my freshman year through my senior year of high school, living the life of a Christian teenager and took God serious. Went to college wow. camp on the college campuses, wow. did the same. And I fell in love with God and I wanted to tell everybody about God. And I enjoyed preaching and teaching the, the gospel. And that's when God says, I want to take you from wow. being a civilian to one who serves and shares the saving gospel message with all people. Wow. That is powerful, buddy. You know, from the first time that we talked and, and uh, it became very abundantly clear that you're very yes. passionate about what you're doing, but I'm excited about what you're doing there with uh, uh, urban uh, yes. church advocates. So let's jump into that a bit so we can tell people what that's all about. Um, so let's tell them about what the product yeah. or the service is or what it is that you're yeah, doing. Urban Church Advocates, that. we've made a decision that we can go to any suburban place where the need is already met. But in the urban churches, a lot of needs right. go desolate and they go without being met altogether. We live in a desert of places where the urban community is a hot spot for crime and violence is very heavy. So we want to bring at the hot spots in the and the most, shall we say, uh, egregious places of community, we want to bring Christ, who is the answer. So we work with churches where they are, and we ask churches, do you want to see change happen? And many of them all say yes. And from that point on, we tell them, let's work with who you have. And we work with the intergenerational focus, all the ages from 90 to 9, Bob. And we want to equip the church with spiritual formation and help the older or the more seasoned people work with the young people who don't need to be lost to Christ, but then to be lost with and in Christ. So what we've done is we take the Christian faith, yeah. develop the, the leaders, 
And then we develop the urban youth leaders who are adults and help them to make a difference in their families, their schools, and their communities. And we bring salvation, opportunities, discipleship, and we want to give them a future life and economic development for the urban communities. Now, you know, Keith, there's a lot of these kind of initiatives around. So what makes, you know, this initiative unique compared to some of the others that have already been out there? Or okay. Bob, are you saying there's people just like us? <laughs> I'm just joking. I thought we were the only thing in, 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 the, in the community that was really working. <laughs> well, let me put it another way. Many pastors are mentors. Many pastors are instructors. They're counselors. In some ways, they serve as consultants. But what we're doing is we're focusing on becoming coaches to them. And we equip youth leaders through a coaching approach, through through cohorts, which means we want to say we're not here to change you. We're here to join you where you are and extract from, from what God's already put in you to utilize that for the community. So in other words, we work with youth leaders, we coach them, and we center them around preparing them, empowering them to help youth live, lead, and build a legacy for their future, for everlasting life. That's great. Now, when you say these cohorts, is this youth leaders that are from different churches that you form these cohorts so they they can be taught and and then send them out so that they can be like discipling? You got it. Imagine this. Just this past year, the Lord has afforded us and blessed us And he's entrusted us with 18 churches, Bob, from all parts of the city of Chicago. Mm. And those 18 churches sent us 24 youth leaders that they believe will play an important role. And what we did is we equipped them enough with 12 cohorts from what it really means to be a youth leader, living or working in the urban community, working with how to help young people go through their, their classes and become, success, become successful in school, to be able to learn how to deal with conflict resolutions, the importance of being able to own your own business, be able to create an opportunity for yourself. Listen, listening first, learning. You can learn more by listening than you can by speaking and partnering with people, sitting with wise people. So we're teaching them how to do life and life more abundantly. And those are the 12 mm-hmm. courses. But get this, Bob. Here's the, here's the capitalization of it all. We want those churches not just to send their kids and their youth leaders to us to be trained. We also want that church to adopt one public school, elementary school, or high school in their community. And we want them to do what? Be there on that campus. Think about it, too. Here's the, here's the caveat. Right. The concept is most People and youth and parents will not come to the church, but the church goes to the school and they serve them. There's a greater possibility they can bring them where they are. And finally, not only are we doing cohorts, not only are we adopting schools, but last but not least, we're doing urban, if nothing else, we're doing career shares. We're gathering kids on a bus, a luxury bus, taking them downtown or to the suburbs so they can see careers and we take them in those places, show them what life looks like, Bob, in a career as a lawyer or as a, as a, a chef or as a business person, as an accountant. What does it mean to be one who owns their own business? Wow. And those kids see those examples that they don't see in their urban communities. But then they say, that's what I want to do. That's what, what we want to be. 
We help them be to learn about etiquette, how to eat, how to speak, how to sit, how to dress, mm. how to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. But last but not least, we tell them we want to help you get scholarships to college or to get this, even to being to go into a trade. So some kids don't want to go for your college. We help right. them all the way through, and it gives them yeah. hope for their future. That's fabulous. That's you're taking that as whole step beyond any of this other stuff that I've heard from some of those well-intentioned, you know, uh, opportunities down there. And I know there's a big focus, you know, in those urban areas that are, you know, having some real difficulty, a lot of challenges, as you said, with crime and drugs and everything else. And, you know, trying to protect these young people, you know, by pulling them out of the environment or at least get them in a protected environment. And that sounds a lot like what you're trying to do. I love the modeling thing that you're taking and putting them on a bus and showing them outside of that. Because, you know, I've heard the stories oftentimes. I know there was a gentleman that had a uh, program that was on Lake Michigan. We took uh, inner city youths and urban youths out yeah. on, a, on a sailboat. And most of these young people, he said, were absolutely shocked when they saw Lake Michigan. They had never, they didn't even know it existed, you know. And they're getting them out on these sail, And they hadn't even been in the water ever. They've never been on a boat, you know, and so um, that was, I mean, it was like, wow, uh, but you're right, you know, uh, and this this is terrific. I, I love what you're telling us about that. Now, are you involving the business community at all in those areas to, to have the business leaders come up around you, too? Yeah, well, we've, just we've already asked not just churches in the urban community, but we're now we're asking suburban churches who are outside the city, want to make an impact. Okay. And they see specifically, I want my dollars not just to go overseas, but we wanted to go over to the next street, which is closer to us, even in the, in the cities where they're, shall we say, the Chicagoland communities, where they are the collar counties. So not only that, but we're also asking businesses to contribute too. We have at least three to four businesses have already said, listen, how can I contribute? And we're putting together packages for them and saying, listen, what we want to do, can you help with the, adopt the school can you help with us with the excursions can you help with our leadership conference where we're training kids can you help us send the kids to camp and all many of these businesses are saying listen right. put me in for this many this many this much money and they're making indelible mm-hmm. chances to see see these kids step out on faith and these young people making decisions and then what we do is we catalog all of these things and then we share with with those business leaders and say, this is what your dollars are doing. And this is where your dollars are going. And we're just thanking you from this side of heaven. But even heaven's going to be even blessed because of what you're doing. Absolutely. I think it's time here that we got to let the audience know how they might, and especially some of the business leaders that might be listening, how they might be able to contribute or yeah. get, get involved with you. So, uh Give give them the yes. where they got to go. Asking. <laughs> well, we would tell them very simply: go to www.ucadvocates. Advocates is spelled as such: a d v o c a t e s dot org. And www.ucadvocates dot org, and you can learn all about what we do. And we will be more than blessed to share anything with you of what we do, and we would love to partner with you. Now, can they also get connected with you on there on the, on the website? Absolutely. That's the, the website. website right? You'll see how to connect with us completely okay. there. I'm proud to welcome Inbound Studio as the sponsor of Faith Marketplace. They have generously provided their talent and expertise to develop and maintain the Faith Marketplace website. Marshall Mullet, the owner, 
has a mission to help small and mid-sized businesses be more effective and efficient in getting results from their marketing technology. With their vast experience, Inbound Studios builds websites using inbound marketing methodology that provides a beautiful visitor experience that has them coming back for more. Get out and check out our website, faithmarketplace.com, to see what I'm talking about. As a result, the company has evolved into a premier provider of web technology services in the Midwest. I encourage you to check them out at inboundstudio.studio. Again, that is inboundstudio.studio. So obviously we found out what makes your business or service different. So what are some of these problems that you're solving out there within these communities? One of the things I do have a curiosity question about, Keith, have you gotten resistance for taking this into the schools? Not at all. Since your faith well, let me share this with you. Over okay. maybe two decades ago, Bob, it was noised that at one point in time, an organization tried to go into the schools to share faith, and there was a, another entity that says we don't want any, shall we say, connection with faith in the public school system. A lawsuit took place maybe two, two decades ago, and what transpired was it was indicated that you can't block any religious institution that wants to come and share moral or ethical teachings with youth as long as it's after 3.15 p.m. So here's, here's the statement. Uh, okay. A lot of the elementary schools and high schools said, listen, we've tried everything. We've tried to do this. We tried to do that. We're open. And do you know they're welcoming them now? When you realize every time we turn the television okay. on, we listen to the radio, we watch the Internet, there's always a school shooting. Something happened. Kids are being rambunctious yep. or just being, shall we say, disobedient to, to the authorities. So we bring a sense of we're yep. going to join the youth. We said we help coach them forward, not complaining about what they, where they are now, where they are in the, in the past. We take them forward and principals and teachers, administrators are welcoming us with open arms. We haven't had one rejection yet in any city school on the south or west side, and they're looking for us. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. And I just, again, want to reinforce, you know, the excursion trips you're putting them on, you know, equipping the pastors and having cohorts for them, getting these young people lifted up, also to yeah. hopefully be future leaders, maybe within, you know, U UAC and or UCA. And you know, uh, this is a multiplication mm -hmm. factor. I mean, this is what Christ yeah, did with man. his disciples, yeah. right? He sent them out, and the multiplication factor, and it spread all over the world. And, uh, and of course, uh, you, you know, this coming this past week, Holy Week, mm -hmm. you know, it's really relevant right now that we, we, need, uh, we need God in, mm -hmm. in everything we're doing here. Um, so um, what's the ideal target as far yeah. as the audience goes? Now, you said, you know, it's churches first. It sounds like that's what you're going. Is there other things that you're trying to do, or is there? have you defined the churches? Because you said you have, what, yeah, we have 18 churches, churches and 24 um, youth 18. leaders already in, involved, yeah. Okay, okay. So it, it is, what's the ideal here, then? Is it just in those urban areas that are really underserved? Yeah, and, and, under, and, and under, funny, um, yeah, funny you should mention that. We, we've come to realize where the problems are is where we want to join them at. So what we've done is we've realized okay. those problem areas are in the urban communities on the south and west side, and where there's usually a food desert. There's no jobs there. 
There's right. vacant homes, vacant buildings, and vacant businesses there. So they don't even have economic development there. Right. So for the for the suburbs, there's like a little bit more hope there. In the in the urban communities, inner city right. spaces and neighborhoods, there's hopelessness there. So we've learned we're going to take hope to them for those who live there. See, I live in the city. I passed in the city. I grew right. up in the city. And most importantly, I have a connection with the pastors, aldermans, and residents in the city. And they believe that since I'm part of it, they welcome me. And we will welcome anybody. So I would welcome any suburban school, church, or business to say, hey, we're going to come and partner with you all. And by that reason, they'll receive it and think that, well, this is not a handout, Bob. This is a hand up. Because we want the youth to say, listen, we want them to take ownership. Take personal responsibility. And last but not least, we share with them there's no free handouts. This is, a, this is an introduction to what your right. future looks like if we're willing to take on the responsibilities of letting us walk alongside you. Not in front of you, not in back of you. We're championing you and we're cheering you on. Could I share my phone number too, just in case they want who may not have the yeah, website? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the phone number that we use is a, yep. is a, it's a toll free number, 877. 877- Nine zero eight four two five four eight seven seven nine zero eight four two five four. Are you looking for ways to increase your business? Are you hungry for business relationships that matter? That helps you grow personally, professionally, and spiritually? Well, welcome to G7 Networking with Purpose, where we form relationships that lead to quality referrals and life transformation. Experience networking with others of like mind and spirit via monthly meetings that follow a powerful format that invites interaction and connection. Immerse yourself in the proprietary G7 app, sharing leads, prayer requests, and increased visibility with the entire G7 network. Chapters are forming now in the Chicagoland area and around the U.S., so please visit g7networking.com for details and search for a chapter near you. G7 is looking for well-connected leaders to of integrity and purpose looking for what's next. If this sounds like you, please reach out to us via website, again, g7networking.com or if you're interested here in Chicago, just text me at 847-922-1498. Again, Bob Lambert, text me at 847-922-1498. Um, what do you give God praise for in this in this ministry and in this effort that you're yeah. doing? Yeah, thank you for asking. It, it seems as though I'm thanking God that for this time that he's allowed me to, to be part of this, he's shown me what he wanted me to do. And then also, for, I thank God that it inspires me that he allows me to serve others. Knowing that he saved me, mm to help save other people, Bob. I believe because I'm a Christian, he told me there's no greater blessing than to go to heaven than to take somebody with you. Amen. (laughs) Amen, amen. Boy, you're absolutely right. And um, I think just the background, Mm -hmm. Keith, of what you told, you gave us about your testimony and, you know, how you grew up, uh, you know, all of that. But, you know, there had to be a trigger Mm -hmm. thing that happened with you, not just these men that came up I mean, when you heard this and when you were presented this, uh, you know, did you just jump in right away or was there some? Not at all. That had to be if you may have heard this, this one initiative is out 
this outreach that took place back in 2017 through 2019. It was called um, it was it was called um, our our job was to go and reach Chicago, and and for that okay. reason, this initiative pushed us to go and help people to find an opportunity to know who Christ was. And then I came to the conclusion when I was hired by them to come forth. What transpired was they asked me, listen, we've already tried this already. We want to do one thing too. We want you, we want to support you and reach in every part of Chicago. And I said, the way to do so is you got to reach men. You got to reach men because too many boys and girls are growing up in the city without dads. I did some research, Bob. If a child comes to faith, maybe 5% of the whole family comes to faith. If a mom comes to faith, it may be 13% Bob, of that family come to faith. But if a dad, a father comes to faith, the number is so high. It's, it's amazing. It, it's been said 90% of the family will come to faith if that father, that dad comes to faith. And I realize wow. there are so many wow. young people. It's been noise that 73% in the inner city across the country who don't have dads. Those kids grew up exposed to drugs, gangs, violence, or have an early grave. Girls get pregnant out of wetlock. There's there's no place for an opportunity for future. So I'm after the men. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I want men to be men. Take care of those those children. Love on their moms. The best way to love their children to love their moms. So we're showing them that this can work. And I believe God saved me from sin. To help bring somebody to salvation. And I'm going after as many men as I possibly can to help those men realize you are the future of the communities. Because most gangs members know this. If a man steps up, boys sit down. Mm. Very good. So <clears throat> I assume that that is a challenge for you finding mm. these men because obviously there's a lot of kids that are fatherless out there. Yeah. So how do you accomplish What we're that? learning to do is go right where the men are. The men have dads. They, the, the men have children that go to that, that particular school. So by recognizing, okay. you don't have to try to cre- recreate the wheel. I'm asking dads, all right, mom, you're bringing your son to school. Where's his dad? What's dad is not in his life. Can you give us, give, you give us his phone number? We want to invite them to go, go bowling with us. Let's go shoot some pool. Let's have a picnic. Let's have some time together. We invite men to be men. But also, we have problems helping men find jobs. Do you know when a man is able to find work, find a job, there's a sense of pride there. You know, the first thing that God gave Adam in the, in the, in the garden was not the word, was not the woman. <laughs> he gave him work first. <laughs> Take care of the garden. Right. You bet. You bet. You bet. And that's uh, one of the strong points we make in the show, you know, that uh, work is in the Bible more times than worship. Uh, you know, and when you look at how things evolve, God worked the first six <laughs> days. He enrolled Adam with, with the first with the first uh, uh, job opportunity, as you might say, or, or what the qualifications were. And then, you know, who are the people that Christ picked? You know, you think about that. These are all people so, from the marketplace, you know, and. So it's all the way through the Bible. We're also we're told to show up to work with excellence, you know, not to men, but to God. And so there's a lot of things in there, uh, you know, Keith, over the years that I have been able from guests like yourself to really speak into this whole thing of faith and work, work and faith. Those are next really linked. 
And unfortunately, in a lot of our churches, it's not talked about. You know, you got this congregation that's got to get up to go to work on the Monday morning, and they're not equipped to go there and, and talk the word, or even to, you know, let people know that they're a Christian. They leave Jesus in the car, and that's not right. You know, I mean, we've got to be able also to help equip them to say, you know, you got to be a little bit bolder when you go to work. It doesn't mean you pound people over the head and quote scripture to them, but there's opportunities to pray for people. There's opportunities to tell people, hey. You know, over the weekend, this is what happened at church, you know, and boy, did that fill me up. Or your own testimony. And I'm sure your own testimony carries a lot of weight to, with these young people because you are you came from the hood. You're talking to them straight up, you know. This is what I went through. Here's my journey, and, and you know, this is how God saved me. And he can do the same for you. But, you know, I, I work with uh, Legacy Reentry Foundation up in Lake County, and that's all about taking, uh, you know, formerly incarcerated and helping them get back to mainstream society through jobs, education, and encouragement. And the two things we know about recidivism is the fact that they can't get a yeah. job or they can't get housing. And they're right back in again. And so you are giving that hope if you can lift these folks up. But are you also looking at some kind of initiative that, you know, if those fathers are in prison or incarcerated, that, you know, will they come back out, getting them re- yeah. reunited or anything like that? Is that it's, it's, it's going to be an, an, it's gonna be very important that we realize mm-hmm. that we don't judge them, but we journey with them. How about that? If we're recognizing that yep. we're on a journey, yep. if, if a person knows that I'm leaning on you, you're leaning, you're leaning on me and we're both leaning on God, no one can fall. And to keep them from being discouraged, why don't we fill out applications together? Get in the car. Let's go look for the job wanted signs. Let's go find out where help one is in place. So we're asking men in church, get this down, in church, faithful men. The word faithful really means successful. And success in the world says how much you have. But as a Christian, faithfulness means the God that has us. So we're helping men to realize if you journey with them, you change that man's life. You change their children. You change the woman who may be um, their girlfriend who should be the wife. And then you change a community to see an example of a young man in place. And I believe the blessing comes as we're working with them to let them know you can do so. And also, I've even asked men in in my church and churches that that around those um, that is partnering with us. Imagine this. What would it look like if you put in your own budget to see how you can take a, a man out and spend time with him on at least a monthly basis? Says, hey, are, are we, we doing our monthly get together again? Yeah. And don't forget, if they don't have any clothes, what the Bible lets us know, if we see a person that's without clothing, don't say, hey, go with God and be faithful. I'm praying for you. No. Faith without works is dead. James 2.20. I'm going to help you beat the day. Yep. You need you need yep. some sl- slacks or some trousers and a shirt and a tie and a belt, some shoes. That's my investment. Hey, listen, I don't take out free. I don't take freebies from anybody. No, this is not a freebie. This is an investment. I'm investing in you. Your friendship yep. is invest with me. Investment yep. to me. And if you want to pay me back, so be it. Right. Then we invest in each other. But I want your friendship. I don't want to be a handout to you. I want to be a blessing to you because your right. your presence is an investment and a blessing to me. Yeah. Well, you know, Keith, uh, with uh, uh, Legacy Reentry Foundation, we actually oh. have a clothes closet. It's like a retail store. And we invite people to come in and pick out clothes off a rack just like they would a retail store. And, again, that's to help them get a leg up. We also provide them with temporary work. We have a temporary uh, a staffing service that comes in now twice a week 
and uh, they can come in. And generally speaking, eight out of ten of them will walk out with a job, you know, a temporary job, but at least it gets them started. Um, you know, so uh, and I think we talked about this before. So if I can link you up there with George Moore, which run is the himself a former felon, uh, might be something that could be shared there between you guys and, and uh, do that because he's he's got a lot of impact in the community, but he knows a lot of people around the Chicagoland area, too. You know, so um, yes. I know that. We're growing. We're very excited about what God, how God is blessing us. And by the way, we're reaching the youth too. We got a youth program now. We're in the process of buying a building for them. It's going to be uh, basically around creative arts, so they can express themselves. You know, and you know, they got some of these young people going on being artists, recording artists. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing what you can do when you engage them in things that they're <clears throat> they'd like to they want to do. You know, and how they can express themselves. But also having, to your point, mentors mm-hmm. around, coaches around, people that are around them coming up around them. And, you know, uh, granted, Waukegan isn't down, you know, urban Chicago, but it has its, it's <laughs> got its issues, you know, just like, uh, you know, the heart of Chicago. Well, let me ask you this, we, you know, and then we, we can get on with the rest of this. But um, what do you, what, how do you like to provide, you know, hope for others facing the challenges? Uh, you've, you've touched on that a bit, but. You know, it would seem to me that um, you've got a lot of people come up alongside you because of what you've done before, that you are a pastor. Uh, what is the toughest part right now of getting volunteers or getting yeah, people into the program? Yeah, just having people in the, into the program is not the challenge because we're going directly to the, the churches in the community. Does that make sense? So we right. realize between yep. September to June, we have a captive audience. And those parents want to be to see what they can't do, we can do. And what we've learned to do is ask questions. And when you listen to their answers, you tend to learn how to provide for the need by what they speak and share with you. So we're crafting some of our cohort Mm -hmm. experiences, our sessions around the need. I've learned that Jesus asked, watch this. He asked over 300 questions in the times he was in, um, in, our, in, our, in our society, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Did you know that? 300 questions. And so. <laughs> no, I don't know well, all 300. I don't, I don't know, know all he's asking them, but, a lot. But, <laughs> but Jesus was a master at yeah. asking questions and telling stories. So what we've learned to do is tell yes, the was. story of successes of, that's been in our, in, in our sphere of influence. Tell the stories of testimonies of people who've come from this space and the relationships we've had, we've built. And those usually lead into people saying, hey, I want that experience. I want that why don't you share a couple of those with the audience, Keith, because that you're absolutely right. Stories sell. So if you can, just share with us a couple of your stories. Imagine two boys who were twins making a decision that they wanted to find Mm -hmm. faith on the west side of Chicago. And because of the influence that we had with them, they said, wow, I want to know God also. So while their mother was single, the mother did not know Christ or walking with Christ as she should. Well, what took place was that, that same process. That child made it, those two twins made a decision to follow in faith. And, and for that reason, they became part of a church. Let me give you another example. On the south side of Chicago, we had a young man who made a decision that drugs 
and gangs was going to be his place, what he wouldn't be part of. Do you know he made a decision that I didn't want to die, but I want to live while being chased by gang members? He came to a conclusion that I don't want to do this anymore. We had some men go and talk to the gangs, say specifically, listen, you can have a man anytime you want to. But right now he wants to be one released. You're part of a, you're part of the gangster disciples. Let's in, 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 let us introduce him to God's disciples and see his life totally changed. We've seen a young lady make a decision that she was on the cusp of going towards the alternative lifestyle and the LGBTQIA community and said specifically, this is all I knew. This is what I grew up around. I said, can I introduce you to some other young ladies who are spiritual, but they're real, they're authentic, they're genuine, and they're not going to judge you. They're going to journey with you, Bob. And she said specifically, sure. She went from wearing jeans and, and, and hats and gym shoes to wearing skirts blouses and shoes to go to church. And last but not least, we had a young man who made a decision wow. that he he got a girl pregnant and said specifically, that's just my old lady, my my my, my female. I said specifically, listen, the way to l- listen, why don't you make an honest woman of, out of her be the man that she needs to be? And I shared, we, we counsel both of them. She made a decision that, listen, I do not want to give my body sexually to anybody else that's not going to be my husband. He had to come to a conclusion. Either he leaves her and finds another one or, or stay with her because she has two of his children. She made a decision for faith, Bob. Then he saw her commitment to faith. That young man made a commitment to faith. We married them. Their family stronger. Wow. That only happens when wow. you have people journeying with people, equipping them, listening to yeah. them. Show them them life, introduce them to the Lord, and now they have an eternal legacy, not just up there, but living it down here. Yeah, and the other thing, the other part of that, which you said in the opening, you know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. I got to believe that you're just wrapping these people in love. There's, like you said, no judgment. There's none of that stuff going on. We want to come up and, you know, share life with you, come up alongside you, and be very authentic about that. And I think people see that. I mean, that's real hope. Uh, when you and thanks for sharing those those stories, I, I just love stories and obviously that shows some success with the program you're doing. As this program goes, I'm sure you're going to be able to start to show success of how these young people are lifted up into other community or community service or more importantly careers, uh, getting them education if they want to go that route. Mm-hmm. But you said something that was really important and I believe in it because it's it's really something that's been wildly underserved and yeah. that's the trades. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's not going to get put, replaced by AI, <laughs> Keith. You know, AI is not going to replace a plumber or an electrician or some of these folks that do labor with their hands. And so, uh, I, unfortunately, you know, our society has pushed this whole issue of, you know, if you don't go to college, you're nothing. But I got to tell you something. When I call my plumber and he tells me it's going to be $165 for a half hour, <laughs> I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, this, this gentleman has got a trade, and he's doing pretty doggone well, you know. So uh, I love that. Now, are you getting them into trade schools? Or are you suggesting that? Yeah, we have an organization we work with right now, and on the south side of Chicago, they're doing trades. They're training uh, ex-convicts, those who are ex-offenders who's coming out, mm-hmm. We have other organizations that are helping us to do the same. And we're excited by asking questions, helping young people to realize that there is alternatives to to gang violence. And you don't have to be super smart, but you need to be super committed, super disciplined, 
and super in making a sacrifice for least being an apprentice, right? Being a being working with yep. a, a master um, teacher instructor on this, and then while you're journeying right. with them on your job on their jobs, you may not get paid financially, but you're getting paid with skill sets. And then we have a church on the west side and we have a church on the south side. Both of them right now are finding ways to uh, champion, couple with them, and they're taking on a certain amount of young people, females and males, in the trade and showing them how to put together a house, be a a roofer, electrician, plumber, bricklayer, carpenter, painter, all the things. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's fabulous. So what words of wisdom, given everything you've been through, would you give your younger yeah. self? <laughs> well, the words of wisdom I would go back now is I would say, if I were to go back to my younger self, Bob, I would say I would invest more in myself. I would not take the, okay. the liberties of all the, the luxuries and the leisure of watching TV, playing basketball, football, baseball. I love all the sports. I love having fun. But if I, right. if I knew that each one of the things I learned builds on the next skill set of my life in the future, I would invest it more of my time in reading, one, and two, gaining skill mm-hmm. sets. And get this, I grew up in a community in my home where working was important. I saw it. But if I knew that if, mm-hmm. I, if I could okay. develop a trade, a skill set at 14 to 18, I would have done it early. And last but not least, Bob, the, the second word of wisdom I would say Invest in relationships. Don't burn bridges. Build your life with people. Don't build over people. And don't try to climb above people to hurt people. Because the same people you climb to the top to step over are going to be the same people you're going to meet on your way down to the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, very well said. Boy, that's age-old stuff right there, man. Uh, Okay, so I asked you earlier, interesting, cool, funny. Come on, (laughs) Keith, give it up. What's a hobby or an interest that's funny, cool? Let me give you one real quickly. When I grew up, all my friends wanted to play football, baseball, basketball. And that, and, though, and we used to say these guys were burly guys. I love baseball and basketball. I played those sports. But no one knew I loved to do this. I love playing chess. And it was the most manly, wow. um, uh, shall we say, activity. But do you know I challenged the school where I grew up in Inglewood, South South Chicago, Limbaloom, and said, listen, if every right. football player, basketball player, baseball player can get become a become a letterman and have a letter on their jacket for football, basketball, baseball, why can't we have letters for playing chess? <laughs> and do you know before I graduated, I played freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year of chess, and I had a I had a jacket. I was a letterman for playing chess. Don't. We need to keep that to ourselves, Bob. No one can know about that. <laughs> but you know what? Well, when this podcast goes out, but it's going out all over the place. Hey, uh, you know, yeah. as we've talked, Keith, and your little mystery subject we talked about before, maybe something that would prompt us, but because I think you're eminently qualified, and I'm just a curious kind of guy because I've never had the experience of that. You lived in gang-infested areas when you were growing up. You, you're working in that right now. Uh what is it going to take or what's your take on how can we get get this, you know, mediated yeah. or solved or anything? Because obviously the gangs become the family to these kids that don't have family to lean on. And they become the surrogate or the substitute, yeah. you know, family for them. 
What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, any kind of intervention? Well, or things one that part can be done we're with learning that? consistently, and I'm I'm speaking from experience. If you get the kids early right. and young, the gangs can't get them when they get older. Mm-hmm. We have to have a grassroots efforts to okay. get the kids before they're ten. We got to get them interested okay. in reading. Readers are leaders. We mm-hmm. want we want to show them experiences yep. and get this. What I would do, I I grew up in a video that I grew up watching TV. It was called Scared Straight. You ever heard that one before? Um, (laughs) We need to show them what life looks like if you choose gangs. You show them the drugs, shootings, on the run. Your head is on a swivel because you don't know who's going to shoot you. What it looks like to be in jail. And at the same time, if you're crippled, you can't walk. Or if if you're dead and now your mom and dad are crying over your grave. We got to show them and let them make decisions. Number two, show them alternatives to what life could look like if you made a decision not to choose gangs. That's number one. But let me give you the second part. For those who are already gang members, you ask again, I want you to think forward yeah. to the future. If you think you're going to be dead at 22, 23 years of age, what if we can show you how you can have, you can get out of the gangs, make an honest living, have pride, save up money for, for a house, be to leave a legacy, leave that house to your children, and you can retire in an old age. And then you can live a life where you can come back and be a sage, <laughs> come back and be a mentor, and change the life of others. But it doesn't start tomorrow, my friend. Yeah. My brother, it starts right now. You become the difference that no, you want to see in the community. And you become the difference that you want to see in your yep. family. I love it, Keith, and thanks for you know illuminating that for people that might be listening that haven't really yeah. ever been exposed to this because it is yes, sir. a real issue. And to your point, with these fatherless homes, all of a sudden these gang you know men become their father and their surrogates, not for good, but for other things than than uh, we know about. That you know, to your point, you know, uh, I don't know what the statistics are, but geez, you know, go <laughs> when you sit there and say, you know, now if you join us. The likelihood of you living past 18 or 22 is pretty poor, you know, but I don't know that they've well, got that you know, re- their recruitment statement because, no, it's all about the glorious life. The well, drugs, well, we the have money to, we have to segue else, that in, too. We have to also show them this. Everything you see right now is temporary. So it's fast money right. to go and carjack somebody in Chicago. But what happens is if you come up on the wrong person, a police officer or a person Who's a concealing carry? That may be a different different result for your life. So we have to show them fast yep. money is not sure money, and fast money isn't long money. And if I ask them what is, the, and then you got to show them. You still have to instruct them and teach them. If if you know you're gonna live to right. 70, 80 years of age, you have to put away money for the future. But if you build skill sets over a lifetime period of time, you can begin to enjoy your life. And I look back and say, I wish I had right. done life better. So we're teaching the thing long term. Right. And that's the reason I love chess, Bob. Chess, you teach four to five, six it. moves yep. ahead. And that's what we teach our children. And if yep. you do it that way, our youth yep. will have a chance to have a greater future than a basketball, a baseball, a, a football, or being an entertainer. Nothing's wrong with that. But I always ask them, what is your backup yep. plan if this doesn't work? Let's make that sure. Right. Let's watch. Yeah, what's Plan B? Well, thank you so much, Keith, for uh, for sharing that from somebody that lived it and is in it all the time now, <laughs> where you're pastoring, 
And folks, I got to tell you, you can't see it, but this guy's got a smile to light up the Bless world, you, you know, and that's why he's a pastor because he's always smiling. Well, I can't believe our time wow. is up already, Keith. Thank you so much for being our, our Thanks, guest today and really helping us understand some of these issues and how you really, the, you know, your, your whole, uh, you know, United Church Advocacy or uh, adopt, uh, advocacy group is really helping out there you know, to, to make a difference in these communities. And it's not just a bunch of talk or people throw money at it. It's actual boots on the ground that are actually helping in, in doing this. And I'm so encouraged to hear yes. that the schools are accepting it because I know for a long time they resisted any outside help, like especially a faith-based organization coming into their school. Uh, but I am just thrilled to hear that, that those walls are coming down and they're, uh, you know, looking for the help. And that's really what you're providing to them. So thank you again for that. Well, folks, you got to come back uh, next uh, Saturday that we'll be uh, having another guest in our podcast show. We've, we're over 10 years now. We've had over 800-plus interviews. So get out there at faithmarketplace.com. Uh, by the way, there's a donate button on there. That's how this ministry survives. And so if you got a few uh, pennies left or you're going to be getting some kind of a refund, we'd love it if you could allocate some of that our way. We'd really appreciate that. But we're going to be back here next Saturday and uh, you'll be having, we'll have a new guest that will just enlighten and enlighten you for, for everything. So again, faithmarketplace.com.